and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Old Testament prophecy. Hey, everyone. You guys, I have exciting news. I called Bob Goff. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, I had contemplated calling this author because he wrote a book that I really love, and he has his phone number in all of his books. Which is the craziest thing Mm -hmm. I think I've ever heard in my life. That he has his phone number or that I called it? No, not that you called it. Although that's brave. I don't mean to diminish that, but it's crazy. (laughs) He's a best-selling author, and he puts his phone number. Do you think he has a second phone? Is that a second phone? That's what I'm wondering. I would assume so. I would assume so too. But what too. I've heard is that he does answer it yeah. really often. I so it's not know. like a second phone that he'll like check once or twice a day. Right. I don't understand how he has his phone on him and is available to talk to everybody all the time. I know. I don't know either. But it was interesting that he said that he's away and on vacation or something. And so he should get an email instead. When was this? This was two weeks ago. How long was he on vacation? I don't know. It didn't oh, he say. Didn't say. So you maybe... should try calling him right now live. Oh my word. You should Could just you do imagine? it and just try. I would be so nervous. Think maybe about, on the I next I guarantee one. you that every listener that's listening to this right now wants to hear you call him. Yeah. I guarantee it. Okay. Maybe on the next one. I don't have cell service this one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You should I'm call kidding. him. Well. What were you going to ask him? I just wanted to ask how he invests in so many people. Because he invests deeply in people, but I don't know how he does it. Are they long-term investments or is it like today I see this person and I do a lot for them, but it's not like now I'm going to continue to walk with 300 people. Yeah. I feel like it's a mix because some of the stories in the book that I was reading were like that. Just every time he went to the airport, he saw the same guy over and over and over again. But then his neighbor he would invest in her life. His kids would go over there. And so maybe it's just his concentric circles, kind of like yeah. whichever ones are closer to his proximity of where he lives or where he is that he invests more deeply in those. Probably. It sounds like a great question to get answered. We could just make this the Bob Goff episode and you could just try calling him. <laughs> Why don't you try it? I Yeah. Andrew really wants me to call him, you guys, but we're going to segue into the Old Testament prophets so we can stay on brand. Everyone's booing right now. I know. Hopefully you guys will give grace just as these prophets tended not to do. Just oh kidding. my gosh. <laughs> anyway, today we're talking wow. about Old Testament prophets, which when I think about prophets in the Old Testament, I think of people shouting out gloom and doom. What do you think about, Andrew? <laughs> um, honestly, before I ever like studied what a prophet was, my initial thought is that prophecy is predicting the future. That's what I would think of, that a prophet is somebody who's like telling you something about the future. Like a fortune teller. Yeah, essentially, that they're just telling Israel, here's the things that are going to happen in the future. Why do we think that? Because I well, also isn't would that think kind that. of what is that what prophets do? I'm thinking like other, I don't know if other religions have prophets. Yeah. Well, I mean, some do, probably not all. I guess I'm just thinking it when we think of the word prophecy, don't you just immediately think future? Yeah. Well. Yeah, I do too. And I don't know why. I was watching a video on the Bible Project that was talking about how most of us would assume that a prophet is someone who foretells of the future. And that's in other religions. 
I feel like we use that language. Like if you say something like is going to happen, it's like, oh, you're a prophet because you just, you're, you're saying something in the future is about to happen. Even I just looked it up and all it says is a prediction. So that's just what it's saying. It's like something that you're predicting, like some team is going to win or this thing's going to happen to you or you're going to meet this person or whatever. Like, I feel like that's what we think of in prophecy, but you right. think it's all doom and gloom. Well, I mean, after studying it, I kind of <laughs> feel like it's doom So you and think gloom. that's that's reality, that it's all doom uh, and gloom? No, I think that, well, when I was reading about it, with prophecy and with prophets, they give three different types of messages I was reading about that can either talk about the past, the present, or the future. Wait, you're saying that a prophet will do all of those or they'll do like one of those? I think that a prophet can do any of those. Okay, so let's go back a step. If those are some initial like conceptions, biblically, what is actually a prophet? Yeah. And then we'll go to their message of like prophecy, but what's a prophet? Yeah, so the basic definition of a prophet in the Bible would be people who speak on God's behalf after, as the Bible project would put it, having a radical encounter with him. Other things that I read just said, people who speak on God's behalf. They're kind of the Mm. mouthpieces for God to remind people of their covenant or their relationship with God. Well, actually I was trying to think, I was like, wait, are there any prophets that speak to like the nations? Because like Jonah is, he's a prophet that's speaking on God's behalf, Hmm. but he goes and speaks to Nineveh, which is not God's people about judgment that's coming. Well, he's not included. Oh, wait, he is included in the Minor Prophets. I just looked down at my little cheat sheet. He is. So weird. It's just interesting because I do think that prophets are people who have these like either encounters with the Lord or they're just getting a word from the Lord to give. But if Jonah is speaking to Nineveh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't know if any of the other prophets are primarily speaking to people that aren't Israel, but that would kind of throw a wrench. Cause even in some of the study that I did, it mentioned specifically dealing with God's relationship with his people or their covenant. Mm. But then why would he call him to go speak to Nineveh? That's a really good question. I think it is reminding Israel of their covenant with God. Right. Were the people of Nineveh part of Israel? No, no, I huh. don't really know what to do with that, but that is, I think, the anomaly. Yeah. If I can say that. Like, I do Weird. think that primarily what the prophets are doing is what you said. They're reminding people of their covenant relationship with God, which I think is actually also important because prophets, kind of to your doom and gloom kind mm-hmm. of like statement, I do think that it can feel that way, that these guys are just kind of randomly throwing out all these words or things or judgment on people. But I do think it's helpful that prophets are specifically there to communicate to God's people his words about the relationship they're already in. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a random judgment that God's giving to Israel. It's the fact that in Exodus 19 and on, God had made this covenant with them to live a certain way. And a prophet is somebody who's essentially coming down to tell them how they're doing or what God's going to do because of what they're doing. So then was Jesus a prophet? Yeah. Why don't we think of him as a prophet? Do you think of him as a prophet? I don't know why I don't. I think it's because he's just the son of God. Yeah. I mean, I think he's more than a mere prophet, obviously. Like we talk about him, like the language of him being like a prophet, a priest, and a king. So those are like the three main functions and like roles. 
in the Old Testament for the people of God, and he fulfills all those. So he's definitely more than just a prophet. But if we're saying a prophet is somebody who's speaking the words of God to his people, you know, John 1 says he is the word. So he's actually the word made flesh. So the, the true revelation of God that the prophets have received and now are saying, he is that. Mm-hmm. So he is a prophet in that sense. And he does speak truth to God's people about repenting and coming back, which I guess actually gets us into the message of the prophets because there's some like themes there too, right? Like it's not just any random word. There's kind of a central message to what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, from different research and different things that I was reading, the Bible project has a lot on this, which I found to be the most helpful resource. It basically said that it would break it down into three different messages. One the prophets would state accusations against the Israelites. And then the other one would be calling them to repent. The third one is reminding them of the day of the Lord. And that can be a really great thing for Christians and believers, because that's the message that the prophets give. That's more hopeful. And then they give a condemnation judgment message for those who aren't in Christ. I think that's huge. What you just said, those three things, because for me, it can seem like the prophets are just saying random messages or they're just upset or do these like weird, crazy things to God's people. But I think it's helpful to know those three things. So say them again, like slowly. So the accusation is, are not just random accusations, right? Like what is he exactly accusing them of? Breaking the covenant with God. Yeah. So they've already committed to a relationship with God. They're not doing it. And so God's sending these prophets to tell them that, Yep. right? Yeah. And the second one is the call to repent. Mm-hmm. So that, that's yes. asking them or imploring them to turn away from yeah. their disobedience. And will God accept them? if they Like if they've already broken the covenant, will God accept them repenting and coming back? I don't have scripture to give to this, but I would say yes, because why else would God send the prophets to say that if he's not going to forgive them. What does that mean about God's character? If he says, if you disobey, I'm going to send you into exile or there's going to be punishment for you. But if you turn back, I won't do that. I think it shows that he's filled with tons of grace and that he has every right to punish us, but that he actually is forgiving and loving in a lot of senses. Yeah. Because then the third one that they talk about is kind of what will happen if they repent or if they don't repent, right? That's the day of the Lord piece. So if they repent, what you're saying, God's filled with compassion and love and grace, and he will take them back. If they don't repent, there's going to be judgment for them or for other nations that have treated them bad. Because a lot of, I'm actually doing the Bible in the year plan. So the last couple months has been Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and it's over and over and over again. Each book has these judgments against the nations too, that not only haven't surrendered to Yahweh, but also have oppressed his people. And because of that, he's saying, I'm going to judge you as well. So on that day of the Lord, there's essentially judgment for all who don't turn back to the Lord, but there's grace and compassion for those who will. Mm, yeah yeah exactly which is interesting how they all three flow into one another yeah i think one of the other beautiful things about the transition between accusing them of covenant breaking 
and calling them to repent and turn back to the covenant is in all of the major prophets, which is Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Those are the really big ones. They all have sections like this, but Jeremiah says it the most clearly where he talks about the new covenant and that God has Israel who has broken his covenant and he's asking them to repent. But he also, while he is filled with grace and compassion, is also filled with justice and like those sins do have to be dealt with. And in the new covenant, he says that he's going to give them full forgiveness of their sins. He will not just have an external law that they have to follow, but he's going to put it on their heart. Ezekiel says that he's going to take out their heart of stone and give them a, a new living heart of flesh. He says he's going to put his spirit inside of us. He said he's going to renew all things. So all like sin is going to be dealt with. Isaiah talks about that a lot. So what's interesting mm-hmm. is that even though these prophets it can feel distant, right? Cause it's like a, well, the prophets are weird. Like some of the language and stuff, and it, it feels old and distant yeah. for Israel, but all these major prophets are pointing to the fact that there is going to be this new relationship covenant that God is going to have with his people. And all of that stuff centers on the work that Jesus, the true prophet is coming to do because mm-hmm. they can't have final and full forgiveness of their sins. Like God's justice means there's got to be some something done with it. And their heart of stone can't be regenerated while they're still dead in their sins. And God can't fully re- renew all things and make all things right unless all wrong is finally punished and dealt mm-hmm. with. And so all of that, I feel like, points us to what Jesus has come to do is that he is the hope for a true relationship with the Lord and final like forgiveness of all the disobedience mm-hmm. of God's people. Yeah, that's good. You just said that the prophets do kind of weird things. I mean, there's one prophet that, what, is naked for three years to show the disobedience of Israel or something like that? Yeah. Who was that? Isaiah, I believe. And he had to, yeah, walk around naked for years to show what was going to happen to God's people, that they would be taken off into exile and ashamed. And so he had to model that. There's also one in Ezekiel where his wife died and he couldn't mourn for her because it was symbolic of God's relationship with them. And so he was mm. called to not mourn and just move on. And it, it was like Weird. crazy things that feel wild. Like when yeah. you actually think about it, that's a real person walking around naked for three years, or I think it was either Jeremiah or Ezekiel that had to lay on his side for three years. And then he had to flip over and lay on his other side because God's giving them tangible displays of the message which is wild. Yeah. And it makes you think, why? Like, why is God doing this through the prophets? And why is he using them to communicate the message in that way? What's your idea? I don't know. Because if we saw people doing that, we'd be like, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? Which they did. I mean, that's the thing. Most of the prophets, they didn't listen to, which is part of the problem is because they didn't listen to them, but they thought they were crazy. Or Jeremiah got beaten multiple times and then he got taken off into exile with the people that didn't even listen to him. And part of the problem was, especially in Jeremiah, there were other prophets. I think this is actually an important word for us today. There were other prophets that were saying things that were really pleasing to the people. Like it was like, Hey, God's not going to do anything bad to us. God loves us. Like nothing bad's going to happen. And Jeremiah is saying, no, he's going to literally send in a nation and we're going to be wiped out and taken into exile. And people thought he was crazy. And then that's what happened. And I think that's a helpful word for us today on any Christian leaders that tend to only say things that are positive, probably 
isn't directly speaking from the Lord yeah. because the Lord in love needed to deal with their sin and warn them of what was coming. Cause he didn't even have to warn them, but he sent prophets to warn them, which is another just act of love and compassion. And people just don't like hearing that stuff. Mm. And so, yeah, they didn't listen to him. Like you just said, like if we saw somebody doing some of the things that Jeremiah was doing, we probably wouldn't listen to him either. Right, man. That's crazy to think about. And it is so different because do you feel like God uses prophets today? Uh, That is a pretty debated question on (laughs) prophets today and what the role of prophecy is. Because some would say that the spirit still gives gifts of prophecy, this like unique knowledge from the Lord that somebody can receive and give to somebody else. Others would say that the role of prophecy is always telling God's people, God's word, Mm about like this relationship. Another group of people would see that primarily as just like preaching the scriptures Mm -hmm. or communicating the scriptures that we have God's word fully given to us. And that just people that get up and like proclaim that and talk about that, that's kind of the role of a prophet. You could think like a preacher essentially. And there's different views in between that. Um, Mm. That's fairly controversial and probably a, a longer topic. Maybe if we do a little series on the new Testament, we can attack that then. That sounds good. We'll bookmark it for now. Put a little pin in it. Okay. So I feel like this is becoming my new favorite question rather than where do we find that in scripture? How do prophecies in general point us to Christ? Well, I'm glad that you don't care about where things are in scripture anymore. That's helpful. I'm joking. (laughs) It's also a great question to ask how it points us to Christ because he says himself in John 5 and Luke 24 that all scriptures are pointing to him. So he's taught us to know that all scriptures are pointing to him. And so we need to see that as we read the Old Testament and take him at his word. So how do prophecies? Because there's some that like, I would say are pretty clear because there are some you mentioned that are future predicting like mm-hmm. Isaiah saying that there's going to be a servant from God yep. who's going to suffer, who's going to bleed. He's going to be a lamb led to the mm-hmm. slaughter. Like he is going to die for God's people. Well, that's predicting what Jesus is going to do, but there's others that aren't quite that clear. So in other ones, as we're seeing some of these prophets tell God's people about their relationship with the Lord and their covenant, how does that point us then to Jesus and some of those more maybe confusing ones. You kind of stole my thunder because I was going to relate it to Isaiah 53 and how it clearly states. But why don't we cut all my stuff and you can, you can say it. (laughs) You would say it better anyway. No, no, Why don't you say it? But that is what I would say. I think that you can grab the bigger principle. Before studying this, I didn't even know who was a prophet and who wasn't. And then I realized like, oh, you know, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, like you're going through all of these books and it's like, Some of them are named after the prophet, which is helpful. Yeah, which is probably also helpful. I don't know if we've said that, but basically from Isaiah on in your Old Testament is all the prophets. There's 15 of them total, the three majors, and then the 12 minor prophets. Mm -hmm. So I think that was helpful. But other than that, I don't think I personally have allowed a lot of prophecies to sink in. Yeah, the other thing that's probably helpful to say is there's specific ones that the more you read them, you'll see connections to Christ and what he specifically did and then predicting. But if you just take those three categories, like you said, that they will accuse God's people of disobedience, call them to repent and turn back to the Lord. And then there will be this like final day of the Lord for God's people. I think that's helpful to see like that is what Jesus has come to fulfill, if that makes sense. So we, we do stand accused 
and condemned before the Lord in our sin and our mm-hmm. disobedience. But in Christ, we are able to repent. I mean, that's the, in Mark's gospel, that's the first thing Jesus says is repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he's saying this fulfillment is coming. You need to repent from your sins and actually turn to the Lord. And the fulfillment of that is kind of twofold, like the day of the Lord. One, you could see that in Jesus's actual like death and in his work, there is salvation and Mm -hmm. there's, that's, judgment against uh, sin and sinners is that he had to actually die. But the final fulfillment of that is on the last day when that becomes fully realized and all those who trust in Christ get to experience, you know, the removal of their presence of sin and they get to finally be with the Lord. And for all those who do not, there is a judgment actually coming. So in some ways, the prophet's point us to Christ in just the fulfillment of all those things. But even if you're trying to learn how to read the prophets, I think those three categories are probably that most helpful to put in your mind and just start reading probably maybe a minor prophet because they're easier to get through, but just start reading and see where, where is there an accusation? Like what has Israel done wrong? Where's the like call to repent and turn back to the Lord? And then what is this like new state going to look like? Where's the judgment or where's the hope in that? Yeah, I think that's super helpful because I think the three categories give you a framework to think through as you're reading, and it gives you more of a narrowed approach in knowing what to focus on. Final question, with the Minor Prophets you've read, which one would you suggest people to start with, and what's a little snapshot of why you find it helpful? One that we actually preached through at Providence uh, at the very beginning of our church was Joel, and it's interesting because it follows that formula very like neatly. It basically says, God says, I'm going to send this plague on you because you've done X, Y, and Z. And he kind of lays out for them what they've done. But in chapter two, Joel basically tells the people, but if you turn toward me and you repent, who knows, the Lord might actually like give us kindness and grace for this. And then chapter three specifically does speak about the day of the Lord and how he's going to work in his people again. So just to get your mind around those three categories, Joel is really good. Hosea is another one that Hmm. some people probably know somewhat of, and it's an interesting picture of both. He will like accuse and judge. He does show his love and like willingness to re-accept his people. And he talks about the day of the Lord, but he also adds in that he does that somewhat tangibly through Hosea and his wife. So it's kind of a mix of, he doesn't just say it, but he also kind of like we mentioned with some of the other prophets, he actually has Hosea model that by marrying a prostitute. Even when she runs away, he goes back, buys her back and reunites this relationship, which is essentially what God's trying to tell his people in the book is I married you. I I made a covenant. You have run away, but I'm willing to go and bring you back, which obviously again points us to Jesus, that he would go so far to do that, that he sent his son to buy us back and that he will judge those who don't follow him. But for those who do, there can be a new marriage relationship. Yeah. So go check that out. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us and we'd love to help you. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.